Again, good morning, uh, Touch Heaven family, both here and wherever you're at, and all of those of you who are joined in with us now or watching at a later time because of your time zones. Um, how many of you have the uh, app, WhatsApp, on your phone? WhatsApp. Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And um, it just sort of expands itself. I don't feed social media very much. I rely somewhat on the team here, and other than that, uh, I'm just, for some reason, just never really felt compelled to dive into it completely. Um, I've never been enamored to see how many fake friends I can have on Facebook. Um, and I honestly, you know, I enjoy people, but I don't care about every little detail of their life, including their dog, their refrigerator, their car, where they went, what time they got up, and whatever else they feel led to share with all their friends. Um, but something interesting on WhatsApp, uh, how many of you remember Gio? Remember Giorgio? Uh, we were in Washington, D.C. with him a few years back. He's a tremendous, uh, lit up, happy man of God. Somehow Giorgio got me on this, uh, this chain and it's going all over the earth and it's a bunch of people wishing each other Merry Christmas, and then taking it a little further. So it lights up every minute almost of the day, day and night for the last couple days, and it's people from all different countries doing nothing more than just wishing each other uh, this Merry Christmas. So it's become a, a Christmas chain. And it caused me to think about this a moment. Um, you know, if we listen to the noise, and I call it noise, the noise that besets us so easily uh, about circumstances in the earth and the world, certainly uh, about uh, this pandemic, what a name, pandemic, and, um, and all of the expectations and the fears and the problems, you know, we missed a, we miss a date signing a bill so everybody's lives are going to fall apart and nobody's gonna eat, uh, really. And uh, not that we don't have compassion, but wow. I mean, um, and then what we hear from everybody is how happy they are for 2020 to be gone. And I'm interested, be, uh, it's somewhat interesting because many of those same people are the ones that had told us what a wonderful year 2020 was gonna be. This was the year, 2020 vision. Um, and all of the little, little uh, uh, hyperboles and things that came out of it. Well, I began to, the last few weeks, I began to thank the Lord for the year 2020. And I said, Lord, don't let me fall into this trap that the world's in. Um, I want to look back at 2020 like I looked back at uh, the end of 1979 and 1980. Now, if I was looking at those through the eyes of the world and through the eyes of how the world measures happiness and joy, success, tragedy, um, I could call that period of time, especially those 18 months, as the worst days of my life. But as I look back at them, I embrace them as the best days of my life. And the reason being, it's not because I lost my family 
in that period of time. It's not because um, I lost my business. It's not because I lost my dignity, my pride. It's not because I lost um, everything that I had worked for up till that span in my life. It, it's not because um, I enjoyed not having food or water or electricity uh, or any of those necessities that I had begun to take so for granted. It's not because I was thrown out of the synagogue and declared dead. It's, it's not because I could go on and on with that list, couldn't I? It's because in that period of time, I learned a personal relationship with the living God. And I learned to rely upon him for every second and minute of my life. Now, I don't know how many of you have been reduced to a point where just a second is so precious. Or just a minute. Let alone an hour or a day. Where you had to strive to enter into the peace of God, the rest of God. To really nestle close to him and just when you thought it was all you could take something else was subtracted something else came out of the clear blue sky and fell upon you let me tell you something I confess to you and, and I thank God for it if it wasn't for that period in my life I don't think I would be alive number one and number two, I'm not sure what I would be serving. Just a smattering of religion wasn't enough for me. Just a moment of rescue wasn't enough for me. I needed a continuous, sustaining desperation with God. So, how do we look? at 2020. I guess it's apropos to discuss it now as we're coming into a new year. Our expectations are always so much, aren't they, as we cross a few days into another few days like it's some cataclysmic eye-opener to God Almighty, that for some reason He's going to change everything because December 31st, the sun went down, and on January 1, the sun came up as if he hasn't seen that before. But yet, we put so much into it. And for many, the outlook for 2021 isn't so bright, is it? Politically, there are many who are desperate. Socially, there are people who are still living by that word that maybe by spring or summer when enough people have been inoculated and, 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 and have been immunized that some semblance of life will come back to what was the old norm. That's a sad faith. That's a faith that doesn't get us any closer to God. That's a semblance of worldliness that does nothing more than to separate us from the desperation that God satisfies. And so, I want to deal with that a little bit today. As I was 
gleaming the words, and the scripture came back to me from a long time ago in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Of all the prophets, really, when you combine Jeremiah and Isaiah, you get a very, very good glimpse of the Messiah. And you get a very, very good, comprehensive understanding and acceptance of how what we have defined as the Old Testament merges into the New Testament. And in Jeremiah 6.16, Jeremiah declares, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Beloved, we're at a crossroads. And it's not just a crossroads that's a nationalistic persuasion. Yes, we're at a crossroads in this country, but we always are at a crossroads in this country. I remember people when Clinton won Many, many Christians said, this is the end of it all. And then, of course, when Obama won, oh, my God, it's over with forever. And now when some are wondering who won and who didn't win and all that confusion hits, if you're on one persuasion, it's the worst thing that could happen for the country. And if you're on the other side, it's the worst thing that could happen for the country. Beloved, no politician, no politics is the answer. And we've lost our mindset at the crossroads. I think I've been consistent in one thing. I've never said that the present president, no matter how many days he's here or isn't here as the president, that's beyond my pay grade. That's for somebody with much more power than me to determine. But I've never said that this man is the solution to all of our problems. What I've said is God has given him assignments. And that those assignments line up with the things that God is answering prayers to and wants to happen. God is still in the assignment business. Do you understand that? And he can give it to the most remote person what he wants to happen, how he wants to happen and when. I make no bones about being very passionate about the unborn children. Very passionate about it, and I believe and know that that is the passion of the heart of our Lord and Savior, not to kill unborn children. The Lord told us certain things that would happen, and they happened, and we've been on this crossroads of trying to figure out how does this go here and how does this go now, and that's on the national scene, but there's a greater crossroads. And the Lord is calling those who hear his voice to stand at that crossroads now and determine what is the foundation of our faith. You see, for generations now, many generations now, no matter how oppressed a certain subculture or race in this country has been, and many have been oppressed at different spans of time over the past couple hundred years. 
And we don't need to compare measures of discrimination and prejudice and suffering because guess what? Prejudice, discrimination, and suffering are what they are to whomever it is. If you're the one that's, that's at the other end of that thing, then it's not as if somebody else's is better or worse than yours. Correct? What we understand is that, that God hears that cry. But for many generations now here in this country, we have never really lived under the subjugation of a government, of a system, of a totalitarian or cruel system that puts us in a sense that we are without a hope and a future. We don't know that here in this country. We really don't, no matter what people think and what they cry out or protest or don't protest about. And people are protesting protesters. Isn't that amazing? It just is beyond understanding. We really don't know that. We've really never suffered to the point of giving up our lives in this country since the Civil War. In this country, as a people, as a nation, for a cause to overcome what is a totalitarian government. But yet, many of those exist across the world. And God cares about that as much as he cares about the little intricacies of our own politics. We're at a crossroads. The question is, which kingdom, which kingdom are we as believers going to serve now? What party are we going to serve now? Does it have to have a political name? Is there a bigger scheme that we've been called to than the one that's so obvious? And the one that has so many people riled up, running across the country as if, if the only thing that will make a difference. To each person, they're called to what they do. I began to announce here some weeks back, especially on a Tuesday night, that at this crossroads, at this place of next, we're being called to a kingdom mentality. Not one that just is what we've read in books written by some wonderful kingdom people. Not one that embraces an eschatological kingdom. One that's so based on prophecy that until the bell tolls, then we'll wake up and get in line with it. That in itself has been a ruse that put a lot of people to a faith sleep for too many years, waiting for little prophetic clicks on the talk, as if when it hits this place, then I'll respond. Until then, I'll just continue like this, because after all, I'm, I'm a born-again Christian with all kind of prophetic promises, I'm not supposed to suffer. 
I'm not supposed to be in the darkness, even though I love to sing a song that I'm the light in the darkness. I'm not supposed to be here in a tribulation. I choose to leave before it. Hmm. Last I know, he makes those decisions. I don't. And so here we sit at a crossroads. What is the crossroads? And before we can ask for the ancient answers and the ancient paths, we must first know where we are and who we are. Now, we've spent a lot of time in this ministry and in this church, and in fact, there's been a lot written and a lot said about identity, right? Identity. Many ministries about identity. Who are you? You have a purpose given life. Made somebody over $30 million with that one. We have all kind of resources to fall back upon, and certainly... I'm one who preaches all the time that we must know who we are in Christ, that we're the righteousness of God in Christ, and with it comes the inheritance of the children of God, and with that inheritance comes all the authority that we have here on earth in the name of Jesus Christ. That's our identity, new creation, men and women, people that have been reborn in the Spirit of God and carry that power in the Holy Spirit. Christ in us, not just with us. Emmanuel's good, but in is better. And so we understand identity, and we're not going to spend this little bit of time we have together this morning readdressing all about identity. And we've talked about after who we are, where we are. And we went on a journey together that in essence, if you haven't seen it, open your eyes now or get those tapes, and it, it's profound. I'm as amazed as you should be as well. I had no idea how big the journey was that the Lord released as he showed us we were going to the place of next. And in that place of next, we were bold enough to say it wasn't just for us, it wasn't just this little band, but it was a worldwide move to go to a place of next. So I know that I know that we're in the place of next. It means that the place before is gone. We're not going back to it. We're not going back to that place. Its time has evaporated. It's extinguished. It's gone. If our peace is locked in trying to think, to, to determine the normal as what was, then you're never going to have peace because it's gone. It's what is and is to come. And it's because of who we are in that place of next and whatever else is adding to it that we can stand without fear, or at least we should be able to. And that we can stand with the confidence that God is able and shall. Supply every need that we have according to his riches and glory. Not according to what a bunch of half-baked politicians decide to do or not to do. 
I feel so sad when I see people on television crying out, my unemployment will run out this week and I'm doomed. Wow. And I guess that's why I can look back at those 18 months on Selma Avenue and love them and embrace them. Because it was by the second, by the minute, by the hour, by the day that I relied on him for everything, especially my mind. I could have easily lost my mind. So the crossroads, how much is enough? God put the earth on pause radically and quickly back in March. It's part of the prophecy. He was going to put the earth on pause. And some of the earth responded and some did not. And some believers responded and just like 9-11, some have already gotten away from that desperation for God. But we're at that crossroads. Stand at the crossroads and look. Look. Look at what? The Word of God. See. See. The Hebrew word is chazah. See in the Spirit of God. Look. Don't just go. Don't move. Stand at the crossroads and look. And ask for the ancient paths. Oh, Dr. Fauci doesn't have the answer. <laughs> Donald Trump doesn't have the answer. Joe Biden doesn't have the answer. God knows Adam Schiff doesn't have the answer. Hollywood doesn't have the answer. Psychologists don't have the answer. University professors don't have the answer. The internet doesn't have the answer. It's ancient. And only the ancient of days him reveal it to us. Only him. And the answer is so vivid, it's so clear, it's so plain. It's right there for us. Be it all the distractions of the world. Try to make it obscure and hard and difficult. Isn't that why Jesus standing at the crossroads. And I'm certain this is the scripture that he had given Jeremiah some many hundreds of years before and that he amplified in Matthew. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. Get yoked with me. You'll have rest souls. 
Isn't it a scientific fact? Isn't it a practical fact that when we're in the midst of the storm, when things are moving so fast and so hard and the carpet's pulled out from underneath us and we can't quite calculate our future. Isn't it common that we panic? That we get lost in the confusion? That we're desperate to find something just as I preached about desperation two weeks ago? We need to find that rest first because it's in that place of rest that we see and hear the voice of God. It's not in the place of frenzy and chaos and it's certainly not with all the noise that's around us. The noise could be as close as someone you love and is close to you that's making a bunch of noise or it could be the other resources you turn to. I have another alarming revelation for you. There's not a prophet alive right now, not one, that has this calculation all figured out. Hmm? Not one. Chase the man, chase the woman, they will take you off a cliff even if they don't mean to. Not a one. Not a one. How about the old songwriter? Put your eyes upon Jesus. Hmm. At the crossroads, listen to this. Look at Luke 20. I'm going to read some scriptures real quick. Luke 20, starting in 25, and then we're going to compare that to 2134. Luke 20, and we're going to read some scriptures. Jesus said to them, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God, well, I'm sorry, take it to, uh, yeah, next scripture. They were unable to trap him in what he said there in public, and astonished by his answer, they became silent. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, that man must marry the widow and raise up offspring. Now, there were seven brothers, and I want to stop right there. Be careful about the traps. The traps that are set when we look for the ancient paths, but yet what they reveal is a religion that attempts to put you in bondage. Beware of those. They're not so much as having to come out of the Old Testament. They can come out today. They can come out right now. It's like Chasing a fox on a fox hunt. And that fox will take you all over the place. And so when we are chasing answers, 
when we are chasing prophecies, when we are chasing somebody's answer, we end up finding out that we're moving a little too fast to hear and see. Listen to this on the coming of the Son of Man, also in Luke. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, and you're standing at the crossroads, and you're trying to figure out which way to look, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Now we could go on, and in Matthew there's a much longer explanation of all of the signs and the things, and we could, we could earmark it with the book of Thessalonians, and we could talk about the, all the prophetic verses of the end times and what's happening. But then Jesus knew that was so confounding and confusing, and that there would be too many people trying to build their eschatologies around it, that he said, listen, it's just simple. Look at the fig tree. When it's in season and in the spring, you'll know it's coming soon. Beloved, look at the fig tree. We are called to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. He's coming. Isn't it interesting that John the Baptist, whom Jesus himself called the greatest prophet, not because he had a whole book, he never wrote one. <laughs> not because he saw the virgin birth coming, he really wasn't sure. It was because he stuck to his assignment and his message. Repent. Repent. It wasn't just a repentance of sins. It was a repentance of religion, ritual, tradition. It was a repentance of a lifestyle and a culture. It was an understanding that some were coming to that something was about to happen that was completely different than anything that had happened before. There's a place of next and something is about to happen. And it was as if he was calling them into the place of next and he said, there's provision here. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. That's where we are at the crossroads. What shall we seek? Are we going to rely upon a broken government and system to be our provision? Are we going to rely on our own hard work to be our only provision? Are we going to rely upon well-intended prophets who are having too much to say right now to be our answer? I've been saying that for a while. I haven't just said it now. You've noticed I've stayed very quiet because at the crossroads, I'm deep, deep in, digging deep into the ancient ways. And so you know who I'm reading and studying? Enoch, Moses, 
Abraham, David, Joshua, Noah. I'm taking time to gleam from the ancient ways. And you know the common theme? Basically comes out of Best Amplified in the book of Chronicles with David. When they came to Ziklag, the sons of Issachar, they knew the time they lived in and they knew what they were supposed to do. Beloved, this I know. I know the time we live in. If you don't, you need to stay at that crossroads and don't move until you do. Because if not, you'll take any path. You'll follow the path of the voice that pleases you the most. The itchy ear voices. They'll have you running to Washington, D.C. on January 6th. I ain't going. God didn't tell me to go. What's going to be accomplished there? I have no idea. Maybe somebody will do something wonderful. People are running to and fro, all about the place, looking for this answer, that answer. It's like a, which shell is it? The shell game. No, we're at the crossroads. And there's a message. Repent, return, reform, restore. Restore in me a right heart. Ears to see the time we live in. Conviction to know what to do in it. Part of my repentance and return was to ask the Lord to restore unto me the same passion that I have and had for those people who are without what I have in some of the countries God has given us to make a difference in. They're not going to live and die on what happens January 6th. They're just believing God for minute by minute, day by day, hour by hour. Kingdom. Kingdom. Contrast that to this. I have so much more, but I'm going to close. Luke 21, verse 34. And on. But take heed to yourselves, unless your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and how about this one, underline it, and cares of this life. And that that day come upon you unexpectedly, for it shall come as a snare on all of those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Stop right there. For it will come as a snare on only those who aren't born again. Huh? Because those who are born again, they're not, they're not going to get snared. Huh? Hmm? 
Boy, do we like to read what we like to read between the words, don't we? For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, at the crossroads. Look. Look and see. And ask the ancient ways. And pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all those things will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. That's the crossroads that the whole earth is at right now. That's the crossroads that you as a believer in Christ are at right now. The signs of the times... As Isaiah cried out, arise and shine, he gave it a caveat. Gross darkness covers the earth, but the glory and the light shines in you. So if your eyes are measuring by the earth, then you will say this is going to be a very dark winter, and the spring's not going to be much better. And the summer's pretty bad. And I don't know what will ever happen. Or you can choose to be at the crossroads and say, His light is a lamp unto my feet. And He directs my paths. And I shall walk into the kingdom assignment of God. The kingdom of God is coming. Just ask the fig tree. The Holy Spirit's crying it out, and now there's more voices expecting the return of the Lord than there ever were, even those that at one time thought they would already be lifted from this earth in a pre-tribulation rapture. Now the voices are crying out. And you know the desperation? The ultimate desperation that the temperature goes up to? It goes how your Bible closes. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. This is tough. Come quickly. Come quickly. Another one of those ancient ways. Peter. Jesus said to Peter, before he went to the cross, before Peter betrayed him, I often wonder whose heart sunk the lowest. Peter's, when he denied Christ and cursed in the shadows of his most desperate moment or David's in his worst moments of failing the kingdom in God in his adultery and the death of his son whose heart sank the lowest I don't know can it go lower 
But listen to these words. I think they were the words that sustained Peter and that echo to us right now. Peter, when you return to me, strengthen your brothers. We don't have enough to strengthen anybody else with unless in our desperation we've come to learn and appreciate the mercy of God for ourselves. Ancient ways, humility. Humility before God. Clothed in humility. A cloak of humility. Compassion, the Beatitudes. Strong faith. Faith that believes the word of the Lord no matter what. Declarations of the word of the Lord. Preparations of the heart. I have a whole section on preparations of the heart. The ways and means to prepare our hearts. And when all else fails, when everything else isn't working because you're in the eye of the storm and you're wondering, how do I get out of this? When all else fails, it's simply to fall on your face and just trust God because He shall rescue you. Isn't that wonderful? The ancient ways. Just get in the ark. Trust God. Just come out. Trust God. Cross over. Trust God. Lay it down. Trust God. So, beloved, thank God for 2020. Our prayer should be that the essence, the goodness of this tempestuous year not be lost in the hearts and faith of God's believers. Let it rattle like a chain inside of our spirits. And let us thank God that you and I are still here. I can't look, and maybe I shouldn't, into some of the homes and places where you're watching online, but I can look here and I can tell you with absolute confidence, not one person in here is naked. I can tell you it's cold outside but we're warm I can tell you that we have hope we have faith we have promises 
And I can tell you this, that we're going to soar above all of the residue that wants to carry over into this new year like an eagle. We're going to fly. Fly. I have to stop because if I don't, I've got too much more to give you. So much I was downloaded into in the last couple of days, especially the preparations of the heart. Lord willing, we'll touch on it. It's coming. A special little note for those of you who are what we will call a younger generation in this house. If I was you, I'd be saying, what about me? <laughs> What's happening in my timeline? I'm not sure. Unlike some others who have eschatological timelines, I, I don't have those. But this I know. You've been called and chosen for this time. And I believe with all my heart for that generation for your generation, and I'm looking at some of you back there. You're going to see the Lord Jesus on this earth. You're going to be blessed like so many have prayed to be blessed for years and years. And you're going to be able to serve with him here on this earth. You're a special generation created from the beginning of time for the present now. And you're going to do such things that none of us can imagine. It's good for you. It's not bad for you. Don't listen to all the noise around you. It's good for you. In Him. Brian, it's good for you. It's good for you, son. It's good for you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you continue to align us, align me, that our consciousness be about the kingdom and your plans and purposes and not so much about our own issues. And at the same time, Lord, you merge it all together to rescue us, to bless us, to heal us. I don't know how you do it all, Lord. I don't know how you do the small miracles, the big miracles. I don't know how you can at all orchestrate it like a symphony that's working perfect for each and every child of God, but you are and you do. And that all of these things work together for good. Have mercy on us, Lord. Be gracious unto us. Help us. Help us as the body of Christ. Lord, let there be a symphony of faith that goes across this world that cries out to you. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.